Welcome back to Sound Insight. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you this day thanking you for the gift of your Son and for the gift of his mother, whom you've graced in such a singular way. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of redemption. And I ask that you give us the grace today to appreciate all the ways that you have blessed us, even when we're not aware of it, Lord. Even when we don't appreciate all that you're doing, all the ways that you're at work beyond what we can see or measure. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, I do sincerely thank you for being with me today. I know this is an out-of-the-ordinary thing. Because it's, uh, it's actually late in the evening on um, Wednesday when we're recording this. And um, our, our daughter arrives back from Franciscan University from her first semester. Mary Catherine lands in about a half an hour. So during the course of this program, I'll probably get a text message. So everybody stay tuned for that kind of exciting thing. <laughs> What's exciting is when you get a month off for Christmas break. I You know, I... I think that um, like a lot of families are having that happen right now. Um, I've been talking to some folks and like, oh, so-and-so is coming back from college on this time and calling, coming back from college on this time. And um, uh, I thought that was very, uh, uh, it's kind of neat, right? Like all the plans that are happening right now for Christmas break. Like yes. what are you going to do during Christmas break? And, and I know we're, we're doing that living planning right now. Um, and you know what's kind of neat about it is that it um, – it makes you become aware of things that you take for granted. Um, there are things that we take for granted that uh, because we don't always like call to mind and hold them present in our minds. Just as a, for instance, when we we're driving back from Mass tonight, so this is back from the Immaculate Conception Mass, um, you were talking about going back to Seattle for Christmas. And a couple of our kids started hemming and hawing um, about uh, with less than you know, total enthusiasm about the trip. And um, it was interesting to see the clash of goods that that some were saying. Like some of our kids, it was just like one of the kids, it was like, I don't want to be in the car that long. And that like one obstacle would stop her from enjoying all of the goods that come from being willing to press through that. And, and how your response was, well, do you do realize that, you know, there's grandma over there and there's all your cousins and your aunts and uncles and there's all the events that are going to be happening? And, and what is it? They lack appreciation. They just don't realize all the goods that are there on the other side of that difficult thing. Did your parents ever force you to do things when you were a kid? Are you kidding? With your relatives or with family oh, gatherings? You know, I so I, actually it's a really... Interesting way of saying it. Did they force us? I think that there was um, the guardrails in uh, on our like I always make the distinction between the guardrails and the what the prison bars. Those guardrails were made of steel, so you weren't like able to break through them. Kind of like bumper cars, or uh, or when you go to the the amusement park and you have a car that's on a road, but there's that rail in the middle. Yeah. So you actually can't go off the road. So I guess is that it's kind of like a prison bar down the, the middle of the road. So I think maybe that was more like the way my parents did it. I, I'm trying to remember the first time that my parents said to me, "You don't have to go. We're going to, you know, we're going to grandma or grandma, uh, grandpa or cousin's house. We all we just went either because we liked it, because of the relationships we had, or because it was just what you did. It was just what family meant. You just do these things." Yeah, I don't know if that is the same today. I don't feel like. 
family commitment and family sense of um, belonging is as strong. And I don't know if it's, you know, families aren't as big as they were back in the day. But I do remember often at your family gatherings or certain families where everyone showed up for at least an hour and then the kids would take off in different cars and go do other things. Not your siblings, but your cousins. So anyhow, I was just wondering, like, and when we gather as family, there are several siblings who will say to me, well, so-and-so didn't want to come or so-and-so um, had other plans or maybe they didn't feel like that a lot in common. Like one of our daughters tonight in the car said, I don't have any cousins my age. We have the three youngest cousins of all the cousins. So they don't have anybody their age. And so that sense of I'm going to be over in the Seattle area for three days, but it's all older cousins. And so that's, you know, that's a real thing nowadays with families being smaller. So I want to tie this to um, the the theology and spirituality of the Immaculate Conception. Excellent, Tom. Yes. Thank you for saving this program. Yeah, no, this is really, well, this was the theme, right? So um, I don't know if you remember the homily. So we were at St. Mary's tonight for, for the Immaculate Conception Mass. Again, this was Thursday night. We're recording this. No, Wednesday night. And um, one of the things Father Mike said was that the definition of the Immaculate Conception came after, a thousand years after, reflection on the uh, reality of what happened at uh, the Incarnation, at the Annunciation, um, which happened uh, 15 years after the reality of what was given to the Blessed Mother at her conception. Because the, you know, as, as you folks know, if you're listening to the program, the the solemnity, the holy day of the Immaculate Conception is about the conception of Mary. And, and the point is, here it is again, she wasn't aware at her conception of the grace that was given to her. She wasn't aware as she was growing up of the grace that was given to her. She may ne- never have actually been able to name herself the gift she was given by being preserved from original sin. You don't think God slash Jesus told her, hey, mom, by the way, you better step it up because you're without sin. I'm going to move my chair a little bit further away if you talk about the Blessed Mother like that, because lightning will strike this house. I know it's the dead of winter, but lightning will strike this house. I I just think that Jesus, her son, would have revealed it to her. I mean, of course, it's not written in scripture, but we don't know all that he they did together for the first 30 years. Yeah, I I would say that, um, uh, okay, so this, this is actually, now we're kind of floating into divine knowledge that lived in Jesus. So this is a question for theological speculation. What knowledge that has a divine source did Jesus, who was both fully human and fully divine, what did he access in his humanity as he lived his life? So are you getting this? In other words, the fullness of the divine knowledge um, was not operating in a conscious way in Jesus. Like Jesus didn't say, hey, everyone, 2,000 years from now, it's going to be really cool. The Red Sox are going to beat the Yankees, <laughs> Okay. Jesus in his humanity didn't know that. All right. Uh, 
It's not above my pay grade. I think it's past my bedtime. Okay, so the answer is... <laughs> oh, you can... Okay, good. I'll give you the answer. Okay, well, and then I want to go back to the thing that's more important for us right now, which is right. the, the answer is that the knowledge that the, fa- that the father um, gave to the son, the, the knowledge that the son accessed was the knowledge that was um, necessary for his fulfillment of his mission. So having uh, reading the thoughts and hearts of individuals, being able to name what was going on in terms of healing them, being able to access that I only do what I see the Father doing, his picking up the cross, his ability to name what this passion was, he's making all things new, right? Those were things that were connected to the mission he had as the Savior of the world. So that's where divine knowledge entered into human consciousness, Okay, let's come back though. To, does that make sense though? Yeah, that makes that, sense. That's really profound. Um, I didn't make that up. I was taught that, um, and that's 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 what again. This is what theologians um, reflect on. This is what they 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 speculate. In other words, it's not church teaching. You can disagree with that speculation. Okay. Okay. Um, but what about the Blessed Mother? And it got me thinking right there during Mass when I was praying. It got me thinking um, that, um, wow, what are the graces that I've received that I haven't yet named? What what are the graces that have been operating in my life that when they were given to me, I didn't name them as graces, but they ended up working out to be graced moments in my own journey of faith? And I'll give you an example because this was a living one that happened just today. I was talking to someone and she said to me, would you pray for my husband? And um, there's a God story here. And I'm like, oh, wow, I like hearing God stories. And the God story was that um, her husband was doing lots of hard yard work uh, because of um, like a situation they were facing. And it was like he had to be out there working hard, doing kinds of stuff that he wasn't typically doing. And, um, and as a result of that, it dislodged something in the kidney and it, um, it created a, an extraordinarily large kidney stone that wasn't going to pass on its own and that wasn't going to be best addressed in ordinary means of addressing kidney stones. So there needed to be um, uh, an, uh, an operation, a medical intervention. And lo and behold, going through that operation it yielded an insight into a, a tumor in the bladder. And, and her, her, oh, wow, was we never would have discovered that tumor had he not had that exploratory surgery to deal with the kidney stone, which wouldn't have happened had he not faced this necessity to do this hard yard work because of the situation they were living in. And it's like, oh, my goodness, he was actually giving, given a potentially life-saving grace served up in the form of a burden, a trial, and a difficulty. Now, who would have said when that burden, trial, and difficulty was served up, I'm giving you a gift? Yes. And that's related to what you're saying is the divine that is in Mary is being played out. The supernatural grace given to Mary at her conception was played out in her life without her being conscious of what the exact nature of the grace was. And, and then that 
if, if you want to say, let's carry it forward into the homily, he brought up the fact that the gospel was more about the incarnation. It was about the conception of Jesus in Mary. And that's what people often think the feast yes, is, right? Yes, they do. And it's not. So I know, because you always let us know that every yes, year. Yes, I know. Kids, I know. a little trick question. A little trick question. What is... <laughs> yeah. so, um, so the... But the question that Mary asks, how can this be? That she's going to give birth to the Messiah because tradition is that she, as a young girl, was brought to the temple to be consecrated, set apart for the Lord as a virgin, that she would live a vowed life of virginity as a sign of her dedication to God. And so... How it, many Jewish women in those days do you think had that kind of call? Or? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I don't, I've never explored like what percentage of young women were brought to the temple the, in those circumstances. Yeah, like how common was that, I wonder? I, I don't know. Uh, the answer, uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably um, more common than it is today that women are becoming... Yeah, we, when we think about it, it's like, I can't even imagine that. But when you read the lives of saints, it's a, it's a common... You, you find that there are definite streams in our history where it was common for young, young boys and young girls to be presented to the church in, in a mode that says they're being set apart for the priesthood or religious life. I just felt like uh, we were living in a whole different era when I read. It was it the youngest. Who's the youngest of twenty four siblings? Oh, Catherine. Sarah. And how many of her siblings were like in the convent or the priesthood? Wasn't there like eight of them? Or, oh, you. Um, or am I thinking of another big Catholic of family? Bernard of Clairvaux <laughs> had like thirty five relatives that entered religious just, life and priesthood. I was like, okay, we're like in a whole different level of yeah. Jesus well, is the sinner, God is the sinner. Saint Therese, lives Lisu, right? Her all of her sisters were religious. Were That's religious. what I'm saying. It's like when we look at these these families in these time periods, we just are so far from that. And so I'm just wondering when Mary was Well, all right. So let's stop and say this. Wait a minute. Like we went to Mass and here's Father Mike celebrating the sacred liturgy, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And we witnessed it. Here's bread and wine that was off on the side table that was brought to the altar. Father Mike uh, repeats the liturgical words that are Catholic words in our tradition. That's the Eucharistic prayer. And all of a sudden, the risen, glorified Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, the creator and Savior of heaven and earth, is present as Eucharist. And everyone, you look around and no one is going, oh my gosh, what has happened? Falling down on their faces and worshiping God. It's so casual. It was just, it's stunning the lack of amazement. What's I don't know what's happening in your heart, Tom, but I was falling down on the inside, just stunned. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I do go, I do, as so I prepare my heart. again. Yes, as I prepare. Yeah. Okay, yes. we're up against a break, Carrie. We'll continue this in a minute on Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So, Carrie, so isn't so let's go back to that cool story of awareness because okay, oh wait a minute. I want to finish the Mary awareness. So she wasn't aware that her mission was to be the mother of the Son of God, the mother of the Messiah. When the angel came to her, she thought her mission was to be dedicated to God. Uh, consecrated and set apart as a virgin. And so um, this idea of the grace given in the moment doesn't always mean you understand how it's going to unfold, what the Lord is going to do with it. And boy, isn't that so important? 
it's so important to, to realize God is giving, listen, listen, brothers and sisters, this is for you, for you, for you. God's giving you graces and you're not aware of them. You're not even able to name what they are, but they're at work in your life and they're going to unfold. And the second thing is the graces that he's given, you might associate with a certain mission that's only a for now mission and that is, that's going to lead downstream a little bit further on in your life to an entirely different mission. But it was disposed, it was set up, it was prepared for by the thing that went before it. And oh, guess what? Some of what these graces are may seem like the opposite. Like, for instance, having to do all that hard yard work, which then led to something else that wasn't considered a gift, a really, really bad, painful kidney stone, which then led to the awareness that was a life-saving healing intervention um, regarding a tumor that was present. And so I, I, I want to reflect with you, Carrie, on graces that the Lord has given to me or to us that come in one of those forms. They come in the form of, I wasn't aware when I was, uh, when I was in this situation that this grace was given to me and how it would actually unfold later on in my life or a difficulty, a brokenness, a suffering that entered my life that actually was used by God in a beneficial way later on. Or the third one is a grace that was given with a particular mission in mind that I thought I knew what that mission was only to find out later on, no, it was a very different mission um, than the one I thought it was. And so you heard those three categories? Yes. Are there any jumping to mine in your life right now? Because I've got like 15. Uh, you go for it, honey. Okay, I'll I'm go I'm just going to listen and take well, notes. I'll just, I'll start with one that is, um, I'll start with one, um, I'll start with one that's more personal. And then I want to go to one that is more our, related to our family. Okay, so when I, um, when I entered the seminary, eight, uh, 19 years old, I was very devout. And as a devout young man, I would express my love for God with a sense of like ardor. That's the best word, ardor. Uh, ardor is like an urgent longing. It has a fervor associated with it. And when um, sometimes you can read prayers that have that sense of fervor, longing, yearning, ardor. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like a lot of prayers by St. Alphonsus de Liguori. Yes, for have sure. Have that. Um, well, I wrote a prayer that was full of this, like, <laughs> why are you laughing? I, I, you no, wondering where this no, is going? No, not at all. I just remember those years when I would write those kind of prayers. Yeah. So it's making okay. me smile and laugh. I'm not so, laughing at you. I'm laughing and smiling with you. All right. So good. So then you, you might be able to reflect on this with me in terms of your life. But one of the prayers I prayed, I, I wrote it down, and I remember praying it with such <laughs> fervor, was that the Lord, and I don't remember all the words, but the words were this very devotional, intense desire that the Lord would show me how big he was and how nothing I was, how much I was nothing compared to him. Now, when I say nothing, I, I don't want you folks to misunderstand. I wasn't saying that I'm this, this despicable worm that should be crushed because I betray him in, uh, in every way and every day. It wasn't about a sense of like self-disgust. It was rather the mirrored experience that I would have of myself 
when I encountered God. In other words, God is infinite. God is eternal. God is almighty. God is big. And I prayed that God would reveal his bigness to me in such a way that I would know how much I am nothing compared to his everything. And doesn't that sound like a cool prayer? It does. I'm excited to hear. So so what happened? He answered it. And um, he answered it. Um, he answered it. I remember one time. Um, it was one, two, three years later. I was in the seminary in Rome. We were going away. We went away for a week long retreat. And this retreat was a silent retreat. So I was praying five hours a day and not talking to anybody, but just checking in with my spiritual director, my, my retreat guide, just to say, here's what's happening in my prayer. Here's a text to read for the day. And one night, I think it was like the third night I was there or the fourth night, as I was about to fall off to sleep, I, in that sort of vulnerability of my consciousness, was drawn into this encounter with God, where God brought me into and just sort of like lifted the veil a bit. And I had this encounter with, I'm going to use the word, the unavoidability of God. Now, that that sounds like a weird word, because you probably haven't heard anybody say that, but God was so big, God's revelation of himself, he was so big, he was completely unavoidable. And the unavoidability of God was so enormous, immense, that, you know what I realized? That was nothing. And it was, it was like a, um, it was sort of like, um, you know when you go to fireworks, um, and, and the fireworks have the big boom, boom, booms up in the sky, <laughs> but then you have those like dark booms, and they're like sound, right? They're like the, the boom, like that. It was like, it was like a dark boom, but it was a blinding light. <laughs> and that's how it came. It wasn't just like, let me just reveal to you a truth. It was a boom. And that boom was an enlightenment to me that it, it brought me to a level of humility, like a level of, I am a creature before the creator. And like a lot of my, not a lot, there, there's a stream in my own consciousness. Yes. Like how I actually see the world that could never go back to life before that consciousness. Wow. And, um, and so I was praying for that three years before, having no idea what I was asking for. And having that then unfold in that way, and then it has, you've, you've witnessed the unfolding of it in a twisted way, in the way, in the demonic way that devils want to get in and try to twist that, that that unavoidable God is a God that can't be trusted. That's the demonic experience mm. of God. And so um, I share that with you just to say, um, you've never shared this with me. No, 
I don't think so. What I want to know, what did you do after you had this encounter or, or when God encountered you? Um, I, I guess I, I guess I might as well say it. Um, I was in bed. I peed my pants. No. <laughs> I, I jumped out of bed and I ran out into the hall. And I'm like, where am I going? Where am I going to go? I can't run away from God. He was so unavoidable. There was like... I can't flee. So that was that idea of I can't flee from that consciousness of God. It's like, wow, you're here. And then you went back to bed. What's that? Then you went back to bed. And then I went back to bed. But here's the thing. It it, it came as a sense of um, an overwhelming cover, but it wasn't, it wasn't frightening. So it was one of those things where, um, um, like, have you ever, like, uh, had someone like come into your presence who was like really, really big, like, uh, you know, a six foot nine lineman who's 350 pounds, like someone who's just like big muscular, like someone who's powerful and like this guy could crush me. Um, have you ever been around somebody like that? I was thinking maybe one of those caricatures uh, at Disneyland. They had pretty big costumes, like Hook. Uh, what was, what was yeah, his? yeah, yeah. But you know my point. My Captain point is, is Hook. That, uh, Captain Hook. He's pretty, pretty big. big. Okay. Yeah. You get my point. My point is, <laughs> it's been around I someone don't. so powerful that you're like, oh, wow, this person could really hurt me, but you don't feel threatened because you oh, know that they're I not see. a threat. Yeah, That's definitely. Uh, that would be Winnie the Pooh, Pooh Bear. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom. I don't make light of what you've experienced. I just think at a certain point when you encounter God, words and descriptors and um, trying to have someone use words to ex- to share that experience is so beyond our language. You can't. Yeah, actually, you, you named it. Uh, in, in theology, that's called, that's an attribute of divinity, which is that God is ineffable. The ineffability, the ineffability of God is that God is so far beyond our ability to name him that we cannot even bring to expression who God is. He's beyond our capacity to express in words. So the idea of being stunned into silence amazement or astonishment or awe or wonder that that is an often a sign of an authentic encounter with god that's really cool now another story yeah so that was that was one where is that uh, one two or three that was just the first oh that one i would say is like the immaculate conception right it was a grace given for me to pray that prayer i didn't come up with the idea to pray that prayer and um when i was 19 it was the Lord who was moving me to pray that prayer to bring about a grace in me that would unfold over time that I didn't realize when I was saying it. And when that encounter happened, I did. I thought, oh, maybe that's, that's what the grace is about. It was just he was answering that prayer. And it's like, no, you have no idea how this is going to continue to unfold in the course of your life. Because I, I have to say, one of the things that I find that for me is, I'm going to put it in quotes, natural, is this idea that this world is passing. Like, heaven's our home. Like, why are you afraid to die? Like, heaven's our home. Let's be ready to die. Let's not chase after death. Let's chase after God and heaven. God is so big. Don't you want to be with God forever? And um, it's when the Lord reaffirms those experiences in me, it's like, why is everybody chasing after stuff that just is going to fall away? So... I would say that that's um, that that's one of those things that 
you know, if, if I want to encourage you folks to think about, like, what would be a grace maybe that the Lord wants to give you this Advent? Like, he's coming. And maybe you'll pray a prayer right now that will be the initiative of the Lord that will get you ready for his coming in a way that you're not expecting right now. It kind of reminds me of when you pray for the word of the year. And you're like, Lord, what do you resolute to do with me this year? It's almost like, Lord, there's something within that you need to reveal to me to pray for, to seek you in. And I don't know what that is, but so you're praying for a prayer. Yeah. And, and that's even that prayer is inspired by the Lord, right? <laughs> and, and it's not a trick, right? This is, this is our approach to naming kids, right? Lord, they're your kids, your kids given to us. You know exactly the child that you've placed into our womb. So what is the child's name? Just like you named Jesus, you know, his name shall be Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It gives his identity and his mission. That's his purpose, right? So why, why can't we approach the Lord in that same way and say, Lord, what is your name for our for your children placed into our hands? And then the same with that prayer. Yes. Lord, what, what's your resolution for my 2022? Um, let's not presume that we get it and let's go bring it to God and hopefully he'll confirm it. Um, but rather, no, it's in his heart. He'll plant it in ours and then let's make room for it. So that's a great theme, folks, in this, in this Lent, Advent season. Say, Lord, just please make room in our hearts. Pray in accord with that sense of what's the Lord doing in you? Like, what's the Lord doing in you right now? Um, another kind of cool story is this idea of seasons, right? You don't know why the Lord has you do certain things for a certain season. And so, um, uh, uh, for instance, is our moving here. Right? We thought that we knew the grace that God has given to us, like the Blessed Mother being given over to the temple. She's been held in reserve uh, in, as, uh, as a virgin to be consecrated to the Lord in that vocation. And all of a sudden, snap, you know, 14 years later, uh, there's this new revelation from the Lord through the angel Gabriel, archangel. Uh, you know what? There's another unfolding of this mission that you couldn't even have imagined. And I feel like that's our move here that we didn't plan, oh, let's live in Seattle for 20 years and then move to Spokane. No, no, the, the Lord was, I, have a, I had a mission for you there, and now I'm going to unfold it differently over here. And now I'm doing something that is distinctive to this moment in your journey. And um, it's not like that was wrong and this is right, or that was a failure, and now finally you've figured it out. It's like, no, I, I had a grace for you there and a mission for you there and a purpose for you while you're there. And now there's something else happening. And we need to discern what that is and say yes to that. Yes, 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 yes. Well, <laughs> hey, Carrie, what's happening? Like this weekend, we're getting together with a couple of other couples who are saying what? That same thing. They're like, you know what? God didn't bring us here for no reason. God didn't just bring us here to just say, woof. Thank the Lord I'm free from all of that toxicity over there. And that too. And that too. But, um, but what is this for, Lord? What, what's your purpose? Like, what was that all about? What are you doing? And so I, I think that's one of the, the really neat things that we're trying to uh, discern. And having other couples say the same thing is, is a really powerful way of so cool. confirming. Right? So it's, it's praying for that. Praying, Lord what's this all about? Like, what's the new unfolding? Uh, we need an archangel to come and tell us what's the next unfolding, <laughs> That'd right? That'd be great. That'd be easier. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe. Right. I don't know. All right, we're up against the break. 
Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. And um, I think I'm within minutes of... Actually, I, Mary Catherine's probably not going to even talk to us. I'm sure Mary Ariana is picking her up. They're going to be talking nonstop. Chit-chatting. Well, I think that she would have called me and said I've landed, but Ariana's probably preempted that with, hey, we're here or we're on the way. Uh, but we'll find out. Uh, I know that the Mary Catherine watches on for the program. So our daughter's... Oh, it is. <laughs> well, I know it's like, at the beginning of the program. People are probably wondering. I was actually, like, do I need to stay up for her to come home or can I go to bed? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm so tired. Okay, so, um, oh. so God is up to something and trying to discern like... A grace given, brothers and sisters, a grace given to you for a certain moment in time may not be the same unfolding of that grace as time goes on. There might be a different unfolding of God's grace for you. And and, and to be open to that, to be open to the idea that um, what was, was for a season. And Tom, when you say a season, do you think like three weeks, three months, three years... All um, of that, or do you kind of have a sense of seasons being more liturgical, or um, depends on? I mean, you always say ages and stages, but I don't know. Is there any theology regarding seasons, or you know, I think that um, I would call them more like seasons runs in relationship to events. So seasons could be like a a like a time of grace, right? So Advent is a time of grace; it's a season of grace. But then within that, there are going to be moments of grace, moments where the Lord is saying, okay, remember what this whole season is about? It's about disposing you and readying you for this encounter, right? And I feel like, for instance, this encounter like that we had with the homily tonight at Mass kicked off in me a sense of, oh, wow, I'm supposed to talk about this on the radio. I'm supposed to share some of these facets of the life of grace in order to like help you folks that are listening realize you have an important part to play and you're not even aware of that part like another story and again just from today um uh, i i shared a couple days ago that i've been sort of laboring with this chest cold and it's it's really weighed me down it's been a flu and it's been a, a couple of weeks now and i just don't always have the same energy during the day i've just been working from home for the last two weeks and um uh, and so as a result of that, I didn't have the energy. There was a replay that happened yesterday. And lo and behold. What does lo and behold? Lo and behold. <laughs> you say that. Looky there. What happened? Um, look at what happened. Um, what, that... happened was, um, um, what happened was um, someone was um, listening to the radio early in the morning on their way to school. And they, for some reason, didn't get in the channel they wanted, and they found themselves listening to Sacred Heart Radio um, during the 8 o'clock hour. And so here are you and uh, I talking, uh, talking about our Advent last year. And we were talking about going to the Rorate Chaley Mass um, at St. Francis Xavier. Was that just last year, Tom? Or was that two years ago? Was it two years ago? It, it, might, well, it maybe must it have was been two, two years, years ago. Okay, so it was two years ago. So they they re-aired that, and um, someone was listening, and she reached out to me on mycatholicfaith.org and said, oh, guess what? Come to find out, um, they they know our kids. Their kids know our kids, and they are trying to find their way back into the Catholic Church. And it was so cool. Like, 
they didn't know um, my work in ministry. They didn't know about our journey. And all of a sudden now... They heard the names of some of their classmates. That's right. And that's what triggered, oh, this must be This must be your classmate at, at school. And so here are these folks who had a connection to the Catholic faith, had, had left the Catholic faith, and now are coming back to and, and trying to figure out. So God uses replays. I think there's a message there for you, honey, that your replays are... This was are, not the direction I was taking this in. God this, can use anything. God can use... That's the kidney stone, dear. Yeah. <laughs> God, can he use Hallmark movies? That's what I want to know. Well, uh-huh. there are a limit. There are even God, Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hold on, hold on a minute. Oh my goodness. We were coming up with a hilarious game that we were going to play regarding the Hallmark movies, because it's just gotten so silly, these silly stories. Anyhow. Okay, so let me, let me finish yeah. my spiritual point. My spiritual <laughs> point was that um, that God's grace was at work for that person. And so my encouragement is this, is that that person was like, well, we raised our kids in faith, and then we sort of fell away, and now we're coming back. You know what? God has a, a story to write, and he's not done writing your story. And the fact that you're aware of something that was lost, something that you want to recover, something that you want to then reinvigorate for yourselves and for your kids, that's a beautiful gift. So don't get too discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. Don't get too down. Right? The, the Lord's not done. And, and rejoice over the fact that you've come back as far as you've come, and he's like giving you encouragement to continue the journey forward. That's so beautiful. I love that. I love that there are people out there, and I have seasons of this, where there's no time with God. So you could be waking up with a certain plan in mind, and you just have these senses that God's taking you here or there, and you you know, maybe linger a little bit longer, but then the door opens and the Lord's bringing you on this adventure to talk to this person or to read something or to um, go bring something to someone. And even though you have things you need to get done, God's not confined to time. And then you just see how he can work through it. And I know a particular woman of God who lives every day with this intense sense of adventure and faith and what is God doing and seeking his will and praying for the Holy Spirit to intervene. And it's just this, like a different dimension of life that some people can live in. And it's actually freeing to be in that space because those simple things that weigh me down, you know, not being able to get, you know, the meal done or this picked up or that got overcooked or relate to this event. <laughs> All of those things just seem so insignificant and non-important when you look at it through the eyes of what's God doing and what souls is he trying to save and what kingdom work is being done through you in these moments. And it's it's just a powerful way to live and I would love to be there. And I think, Tom, you do that way more in how you live out your life, the way you take calls, the way you'll just drop everything and pray with someone, the way in which I can be just, you know, just totally um, thrown by a time thing or just, you know, something goes wrong with one of the kids and you're just so calm and like, God got this. What, what, what are you worried about? Why are you fretting? Why are you, you know, causing so much turmoil within you when God is in control of all of this? And well, I that came back and bit me one more than one time, but here's one time I remember <laughs> that it worked. It was, it was kind of funny. <laughs> well, I was actually driving back from the Tri Cities 
Um, so Kennewick, uh, Pasco, Walla Walla. I was down there giving a like a, a seminar on a Saturday, and I was driving back Saturday night, and I had a car full of cassette tapes. This is how old. It, this is how long it goes. Cassette tapes and CDs, probably and DVDs, things that I was selling when I when I did the seminar, and I was going up um, up like a hill, up a mountain in the middle of the state into like just desert country. And, and the car started dying. And I started praying, oh, Jesus, please, Jesus, no, Jesus, no. And the car just slower and slower and slower, and it stopped. And I pulled off the highway. And I'm like, Lord, are you serious? And I, I, it was midnight. And I'm in pitch black darkness in like the desert. Up, up on the like up on a really steep hill. Do you remember this? Yes. And I got this out is of before, the car. I think I don't even know if we had children then. It was the Toyota. It was, Toyota Tercel before we had kids. Yes. So I got out of the car and I'm walking and sure enough I got out of the car and I was only like a hundred yards from a rest stop, and I I walked to the rest stop, got on a payphone. This is before I had a cell phone, and had to call for a tow truck. And um, um, called you and let you know what was happening. And they towed me back to this little motel. And um, the car was just dead. And so the, the guy at the motel, I, I ended up, I, I, he paid $375 for that car uh, in you that condition. You sold it. I sold it cash right there. <laughs> Carrie, that's what happened to our car. That, that Toyota Tercel. Uh, it had... Um, four cylinders. It was down to three, and then I think you broke. Like it was down there was to like, three cylinders. Wasn't there like a crack, ca- uh, crack gasket? I don't know what. There was something wrong. Yeah. So I remember telling the story to this guy who was so like closed and just hard to reach. Right. I was trying to get. I was trying to help him. I was. I was there praying with him and his wife and trying to help at the motel. No, 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 no. This was like um, like a year later or something like that. Someone had called me in, and so I'm trying to like help him and his wife talk better and help him like soften and open up. I said, "Look, God can provide even in the midst of nowhere, right?" And so I told the story, and I said, "Okay, here's the car in the middle of nowhere. Look what happened." And he's like, "Yeah, that would never happen to me because I would have taken care of my car." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how many cars are we yeah, down right? How many like, cars right now are have the check engine lights this on? This is them? the thing, right? <laughs> this is the thing. So you're telling me like, woohoo, live, live in the spirit. And I'm like, yeah, I think I need to be a little more grounded in the check engine light and they oh. change the oil and fix the brakes. And oh, I'll have to tell the story when we come back Get about the snow, the snow tires. tires. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're full of stories. So, all right, back in a minute with more silence. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern along with my lovely wife, Carrie. If you're enjoying the program, please go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can reach out to me. You can send Carrie a message or me a message. And on mycatholicfaith.org, you can also sign up for free resources. You can get free digital downloads of um, series I've done, audio, video, even um, books, um, e-books on the Mass, on confession, on marriage, um, all of that free for you uh, on mycatholicfaith.org. Uh, you can also sign up for the podcast by going to uh, there, and you can click on the link to I, to the um, Apple Podcast page and just look for the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. Okay, so Carrie, um, 
yeah, there's living in the spirit and there's also taking care of the practical realities, right? And it's hard to blend those two. It's, it's not always easy to kind of get those right. Um, and it's like, um, I do some things well, but there are other things I just fall down, right? So one of them was, it's been snowing out here. And I'm like, we need to get snow tires. And I wish somebody would have reminded me that we needed snow tires. <laughs> Did I? You did about seven times. I did. When are we going to get snow tires? When are we, I said, how, we, when, we have time. Tires? Right? We have time. When and so we, I said, how do you me, do this? Let I me can't just remember. go online. Let me just go online and book an appointment to get the tires changed. And when I went online to book, the first place I went, the place where we bought our tires, it was a three-week wait to get snow tires put on. I'm like, <laughs> this is this is not going to work. I can't, we can't go three weeks. So I looked at another one, and it was two weeks. And then you went to Costco, and it was a week and a half. And I finally called um, the Les Schwab. And they're like, yeah, it's about two weeks out. And I'm like, well, they said, we do take walk-ins. And I'm like, um, well, what time do you open? 8 o'clock. And they said, well, 8 o'clock, there's 50 people in line this morning. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, it was winding all the way around the building. I'm like, what time did the first person get there? About 6.30. I'm like, Okay. Got it. So I'm like, I'm going to get this done. So the next morning, dropped you, you dropped me off at 6.45 in the morning. And I waited for an hour and 15 minutes to be the first one in line to get those tires done. Um, and we got two of the three cars done. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I think we have like five days of snow coming up. So Yeah. Um, so sometimes, right, it's grace builds on nature. Right, grace builds on nature. So this guy was challenging me to say, "You're asking the Lord to like, like rescue you when He's given you a brain and a brain that says, if you just do some planning and you're responsible and accountable for the goods He's given you as a good steward, your car's not going to break down in the middle of the night going up a hill outside of Yakima." And uh, I was kind of like, "Yeah, I want to kind of be more the spiritual one." Uh, <laughs> Well, and it's natural, right? It's natural to want to like go where you are strong to do the things that you're good to do things that you're good at, and um, and so I, I I've kind of announced I don't know a number of times sort of humbly that uh, I'm not that good at at some of the the more practical things that other guys just take for granted. Right. If you need to be humbled anymore, I'm here to help. Honey, the okay. Lord has given me many opportunities to, to grow in that virtue through <gasps> oh, our married life. I appreciate that. Well, and you know, here's the another thing, right? When you talk about moments of grace and seasons, right? I'm reading that book, The Intentional Father by John Tyson, and I'm going to bring out more content in it. And just two points. The first is that moments of grace, one of the things he talks about is you have to put in the effort to set aside time to invest in your son's lives if you want to turn them into godly men or be used by God for that instrument to turn them into godly men. And there are things that you need to do. Well, one of the things he talks about is like going hunting. And it doesn't make a big deal of it, but just mentions this as, as ideas. And, and one of our uh, family friends that we got to know, um, he took his younger boys hunting. I think he took just one son. It was a... Like a sixth grader? Seventh grader? Yes. I thought just the two of them went, the father-son Okay, so he went with a couple other boys. And did you see the uh, the picture that they sent? Yes. It was this huge, huge animal they had shot. It was a moose. But what did I say in the thing? You said, oh, a horse. I can't believe you shot a horse. <laughs> right. 
And that got the wife laughing. Ooh, she, got a, uh, she got a kick out of it. Um, what you'll do for a laugh, honey. Yes. yes. Uh, no, that was actually cool. So I wonder if they intentionally did that as part of, you say, put the time in. Yeah, he did. He he, he did that for his seventh grade. Is it seventh or sixth? Yes, seventh grade seventh. Son, um, for them to be able to go away and spend time together, father and son. And they were with several other fathers and sons. And um, they killed the, they shot the moose, you know, killed the moose. Then they cut the moose up and they showed all the meat. I was just like, wow, I don't need any of that. So, um, and then he wanted to like talk to me about the virtues of moose meat. And I'm like, there are many things on my bucket list. That is not one of them. So, um, but just, just that idea of like, you, you hear about things that guys do to invest in their, in their kids to, to say, I, I want to really make sure that I have time apart with my son or my sons uh, so that they can sense that bond. And um, I, I really like that. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a future show. Um, but one of the things that came out was that he mentioned towards the end of the book about sending your kids away, in, in this instance, their sons, after high school on a gap year uh, program. And the one that his son went on was the World Race, um, the Adventures and Missions program that our daughter Mary Grace did three years ago. She was on the same year as his son. Um, I thought that was really cool. Super cool. Okay, moment of grace. But what's the moment of grace around that for our family right now is our daughter Ariana. So she's a senior and she's graduating high school and she's been sort of floating around regarding where am I going to go to college? And she had some ideas and we had some ideas and she went out and visited Mary Catherine um, at Franciscan and came back and had some enthusiasm and that kind of waned. And, um, and then Thanksgiving happened and it was, it was a moment of grace because Mary Grace was back home and I think that reignited their conversation and it gave her the impetus she needed to say, you know what, I want to do this. And so she ended up filling out, completing her application process, applied, and just in the past week was accepted um, and is, uh, uh, is going to, in fact, you know, be part of the world race next year. And so after her senior year, to spend a year on mission in these three continents around the world, serving the poor and proclaiming, and proclaiming Christ. I'm like, yes, I love that. It's not in accord with like the plans that we had for our kids, but what a beautiful grace that, you know, uh, how it's unfolding. And then the other part of this, like who would have thought is that there is one of um, her teammates on her volleyball team that goes to the school is, guess what, doing the world race next year. And I'm like, wow, look at how God, you say, you know, you don't realize all that God's doing to move things around on his chessboard. And how God was using the fact that our daughter discovered this on Instagram and then, you know, this chain of connections all the way around. Yes, it's so cool. And now it's it's continuing on. And there's like several families I've talked to at the Oaks now about this. And they're like, huh, I want to look into that. And so there, there are other families who are also looking in. I know of two other families that are looking into it. Um, in addition to this family, that is having a daughter do it. That is really beautiful. And I think, Tom, when you talk about these moments, if you have eyes to see, if you have ears to hear, I feel like <laughs> the Lord is 
always working. Even when we can't see him working, he's working. And when you are in relationship with him and there's this time of revelation, he will lovingly, generously, gently show you just how involved he is in the details of your life. And I don't think that we always take time to let him show us that and to let him love on us and to let him um, just say, hey, I am all in for you and I care so much about you and here's some of the things that you were not aware of that I've been doing. And then there's moments where he just reveals it to you and just like, bam. And it's not deserved, but it's a wonderful way to say, oh, okay, God, I'm, I'm still clued in. I'm still dialed in. Let's keep going. Um, and I feel like um, just from stories I've heard of people that have had that afterlife experience, the Lord will, or God the Father will show them all the times that their guardian angels were there to protect them from this car wreck or from this terrible catastrophe or from some kind of health issue where he intervened. It wasn't their time to go home. It wasn't their time. God had more to do through them on earth. And several of these stories are just amazed at how intricately and beautifully God is involved in our lives. But we don't know that. We don't have the eyes to see that, but the Lord can reveal that to us. You know what? That's the Immaculate Conception. So the Immaculate Conception is not the redemption of Christ rescuing the Blessed Mother from sin, but the redemption of Christ preserving the Blessed Mother from sin. That's a beautiful, different way of saying it. I just made it up. Did you? No. No, no, no. no. You don't really no. actually make up any theology. I, does anybody? No. no. It, it all goes back to God, right? And it all goes back to other people, too. But... The idea that God's grace, especially his mercy, his mercy rescues, but his mercy also preserves. So that you're rescued from certain bad things that have happened to you, but you're also preserved from them ever happening to you. And that's what the Immaculate Conception is. It's Christ's redemption in advance of it happening, preserving her from ever falling into it. And so that that also happens in an analogous way in our lives, not when it comes to original sin, but so many other disasters that God's mercy preserves us from. All right, I hope and pray this has been a blessing to you. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome.